welcome to Women in B2B Marketing, a show where CMOs, VPs of marketing, and all strong women leaders in B2B discuss their top tactics, strategies, and tips for building high-performing teams, leveraging trends, and ultimately rocking their marketing careers. Made by and for women, insightful for all. I'm your host and 15-year B2B marketer, Jane Sarah. Let's dive in. So hi, everybody. Thank you for joining us today for another episode of Women in B2B Marketing. And today we have with us the lovely Sharon Harris. She's CMO at Essential Digital Commerce. She's also a seasoned marketer of 20 plus years, a frequent speaker, amazing speaker, a mentor, a board member, and a DEI advocate, and tons of volunteer work to boot. I don't know how she does it all, to be honest. (laughs) But welcome, Sharon, to the show. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. <laughs> so let's dive in. We were, we were just talking about this, where you're in the world at, at Essential Digital Commerce. You have to know everything that's going on in the consumer world and D2C and commerce, right? And today I want to kind of switch gears and do it, put the spotlight more so on you and your team and B2B marketing. So if you could tell us first just a little bit about how you yourself started on your career path and what got you into marketing. Oh, certainly. Well, thank you again for having me on the show, Jane. I got into market simply because just curiosity and a fascination with all the messages, storytelling, and creative that was being presented by to consumers. I actually started my career in investment banking. Uh, mm-hmm. I fundamentally believed it was important to understand money, where money comes yeah. from, how it's created, how it's transacted. And that really just led me down the path of exploring technology and really consumer trends. I was one of the first 20 employees, uh, which is at now Sirius Satellite Radio. At the time, it was CD radio. And it was really because I loved music. I loved the idea of creating something new and disruptive in the market. And it was just an amazing and fascinating journey, which ultimately led me to really get into marketing because I believe that marketers really hold a special mission in terms of telling the stories, delighting consumers, but really creating the fabric of culture. Mm -hmm. Much of the things that you see, the brands that you love, what you experience today, it's all been created by marketing. And that is really your first introduction into everything from what it is to be an American, what it is to be a woman, what it is to be a man, All of the things that we love have really come about because of marketing messages. Yeah, it's so true. I even, I hear myself talking to my husband about this all the time. It's sometimes in a negative light, right? Like, oh, that's the marketing. That's all marketing right there. (laughs) It's all marketing. Marketing is such a powerful tool. And I think people forget that. Yeah. All marketers will tell you, you know, we're storytellers by heart. But those stories are so important because we all live by a story or a mythology. And we carry that through our lives. All the choices that we made. I love the scene in The Devil Wears Prada, where she says, you think it's a simple color, but do you know what's gone into it? Mm -hmm. We've made that color. We've created that trend. We've told you that that's the color you want to pick in the store. You didn't just pick it. And I think Mm -hmm. that's really speaks to the power and the just the depth and breadth of marketing. Yeah, that's so true. Syrian blue, I think, right? That belt. Yes. <laughs> it is such a good scene. I love that. And it's so interesting that you come from the banking background. So it makes so much sense to to start out 
focused on revenue, right? And money and dollars and understanding the economics of things. And then makes you a super valuable marketer to have that. Because that oftentimes that's a piece a lot of marketers are missing, skewing more to the creative side and leaning on CFOs for the financials. So it's great that you bring kind of both worlds together. My one piece of advice for anyone today aspiring to go into marketing is really understand how the money is generated. You know, mm -hmm. marketing really has to be a growth engine for the organization. Yeah. And marketers today are being held to a higher standard around how are you helping contribute to the bottom line. And I think once you understand the dynamics of how money's generated, what how the market moves, what shifts it, then you can understand how to better use the tools in your toolbox to drive that forward. And that is so critical because when this world of data-driven marketing Marketing's always on the hook for how do you contribute to the bottom line? Is there real data and attribution that shows the value of that ad? What's our yeah. return on investment? So it's really critical that you understand all of those dynamics. Yeah, that's so true. To dive into this a little bit more, what can you tell me a little bit about your team at Essential Digital Commerce? Because I think there's, what, 10 brands under your umbrella or more, maybe even more now, growing every day. Congrats. <laughs> oh, yes. So when you look at Essential, Essential in and of itself is really a holding company. And we're mm -hmm. divided into two divisions. Uh, one division is uh, entertainment and information, which houses brands that we all know and love, like Can Lion, uh, Wark. WGSN, Money 2020. Uh, the other division, which I am the CMO of, is called Digital Commerce. Digital yeah. Commerce is really a portfolio of 10 different brands across the ecosystem of digital commerce, including Flywheel Digital, Perpetua, Edge by Essential, White Spider, One Space, ASR. And they yeah. all really serve different touch points in both a brand and a consumer's journey in the e-commerce world. And we work with all of the major global marketplaces from Amazon to Walmart to Alibaba to JD, Instacart, mm -hmm. DoorDash, you name it. Our global platform and technologies coupled with our managed services really allow brands to not only be successful in the digital commerce space, but really to anticipate what's happening from a retail perspective overall. Mm -hmm. I love that. And being such a, a huge, huge brand and company with many brands underneath you, how do you stay on top of all of these brands? Because I, I think you're the first person I'm having on the show that is responsible for it for 10 different brands. So how do you A, stay on top of it all? Because they each have their own goals, I imagine. And I'm sure the teams are spread out globally as well. So kind of a dual question. How do you stay on top of all of the various goals for, I guess, towards your Northern Star? And then how do you stay in touch on a day-to-day -day with teams that are so dispersed? Yeah, I mean, it definitely presents challenges, but also a ton of opportunities. Obviously, coming out of the pandemic now, having geographically dispersed teams is really the norm. And it's yeah. really about creating a culture of collaboration, using all of those wonderful collaborative tools like Slack and Google Meet to really stay in touch and keep centered. But at the end of the day, it's really about driving alignment around the key goals and KPIs of the business. How is marketing going to contribute to moving the business forward, whether it's about demand generation and driving qualified leads, building brand awareness, thought leadership, or just operational excellence? So I make sure mm -hmm. that for the teams, everyone really understands what those KPIs are. So we're all marching to the same destination. Now, the mm -hmm. paths that we take may vary. 
but we're all going to end up in that same place. And I think for any marketer today or for any real leader in an organization, it's really going to be around making sure that you're communicating clearly, mm -hmm. effectively, but most importantly, you're taking the time to listen. Because you do mm -hmm. have teams that are geographically dispersed, there, it does require a different level of understanding, of empathy, and acknowledgement. Everyone works differently. Everyone needs a different level of flexibility. And as a leader, for me, it's about having an open door policy and making sure I'm serving the needs of the team as much as I'm serving the needs of the business. Because when people feel supported, when they feel empowered and valued, they will deliver more. And I think for me, that's always been the key to my success in any leadership position. Yeah, we were chatting a little bit about this earlier before we hit record too, how just the state of, of work and uh, work-life balance, uh, which you could get into, it's just evolved so much now where people, individuals, we feel like we have more control and we're taking back control over creating whatever best works for our life. So it how it's interesting because you're you're basically being aware of that with your team to make sure that they are in a situation that best works for them because in that case they'll best perform for the company as well. Oh, absolutely. And and I tell people I I don't really ascribe to work life balance. I really ascribe to work life integration. I love that. Particularly when you're working from home, your life and your work are in the same destination. You're yeah. in your physical home. So there has to be this integration. And there are going to be times when priorities will shift, when you're multitasking, when you're juggling. And it's about making sure that that integration works well, that you aren't finding yourself running into a ton of rough edges. Maybe you've got to run out and pick up your kid from soccer, or you're going to throw in a load of laundry and lunch between meetings. You have the ability to do that. And I think yeah. what everyone is learning and adjusting to is having both that flexibility, but that autonomy in terms of how you're delivering on your work commitments and requirements, but also how are you showing up in your own life? How yeah. are you showing up for your family? How are you taking care of yourself? Because you can't pour from an empty cup. And I think as we move forward, the workplace will continue to evolve. And we as workers, leaders, staffers will also evolve in terms of where do we find purpose? How do we drive impact? And how do we ensure that our contributions are acknowledged, rewarded, yeah. and really respected in the workplace? So it's, we're definitely at a point of a lot of change and transition, and to some extent, some transformation. I mean, we're not going back. Work as we yeah. once knew it has fundamentally shifted and changed. And yeah. as much as we may now be in a hybrid situation, where we can go into an office a couple of days a week. I don't think anyone's going to be in an office again, five days a week, nine to five or nine to six. Yeah. Uh, I think we've all now understood that we can be productive, valuable members of an organization without physically sharing the same space all the time. But we've also learned we appreciate that in-person contact, yes. but we don't have to have it every single day. So true. It's interesting. It's one of the reasons that I started this podcast was to get to meet more people because I was just craving that after three years of near isolation with the pandemic. <laughs> so this has been just amazing. But how do you personally, do you have any kind of tips or something that keeps you 
grounded and having that work-life integration that works best for you? Is there, are there any steps that you take or that keep you on the right track there? Well, I will say this. One of the things for me that came out of the pandemic was the importance of having structure and a discipline around my day because it's yeah. really quick. The day can get away from you very quickly and you'll look up and you're like, oh my God, it's already three o'clock or four o'clock yes. and I didn't eat lunch and I didn't get out of my chair. <laughs> really creating some structure for yourself. Yeah. I really try to start the day off just imagining what I want the day to be, setting out that intention and that vision. I'll spend 10 minutes praying and meditating, reading something that feeds my spirit and my soul. Uh, I'm a that. big believer in positive affirmations. I think we get so much negative, sad, disturbing news all the time. You need to fill yourself with something that's positive and motivating. And definitely try to read. But I really start the day by having a structure of these are the three major things I want to accomplish today. So mm -hmm. I know that as I go through the day, that's what I'm striving toward. And I really try to pace myself. I make sure that I take out time to have lunch, to get up from my chair, get some fresh air, drink yeah. a lot of water. Uh, it's important to stay hydrated. But I try not to let the work be the sole focus of the day. There's a point where you have to detach yourself. I think as a marketer, you're trying to really fuel yourself with opportunities for inspiration, for creativity, for reflection. You can't do that just staring into a screen all day. You've got yes. to go out and experience life. You've got to get out in nature. So I think it's important in your daily ritual to make time for that. And it can be 10 minutes you know, it can be 15 minutes, but yeah. you have to step away from the devices and yes. really gain that sense of perspective. But every day I make sure that I've accomplished at least three things off my major to-do list. Yeah. You're constantly refueling yourself with, okay, I have these accomplishments. Now I can move to the next thing. Nice. I love that. It's funny working remotely and always on the laptop and Zoom meetings nonstop. The time does fly and the Fitbit does often yell at me to get the 250 steps in per hour. It never happens during the day. But yeah, definitely. I've heard that it's really important to get out in nature and go for a walk, even if it's five, five, 10 minutes walking around the block. It's hard. I live here in Miami in the city. It's all, all high rises. You can see a little in the background, but I need to find myself a patch of grass or something to get, to get in front of or go by the water. There's tons of that here. So maybe oh I'll my do God, that. Yes, definitely go by the water. It's, it's always meditative and refreshing. Yes. I'm really fortunate in my office. I walk out onto my back patio and there's green space. Oh, and there's okay. just something about taking in nature and it just sort of opens your mind up and sort of just allows you to breathe a little bit more deeply. But it's just yeah. a part of my day that I always look forward to because it, it just allows you to kind of decompress, uh, yeah. take those deep breaths and sort of just acknowledge where you are in that moment and be fully present. I love that. And I'm sure you encourage your team to do the same too, because again- Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I love that. And when we were talking about the, the different brands, one thing I thought of right away was there's such a benefit to being a part of this team because you learn from one another, right? The sister companies can kind of share what's working for this company. Maybe we can adopt in and make it our own and try it at our company and just learn, or this didn't really work here. So let's yeah. see what we can learn from that and try it differently or skip it for now. So do you see that a lot, like almost cross-pollination between the brands to help each yeah. other? I think one of the best thing about having different 
businesses be a part of this is that cross-pollination, that collaboration, and that sharing of experiences. Because everyone has a different skill set. Everyone has a different set of experiences to draw from. But when you start to bring together all of those experiences, people from different parts of the globe, you really have something amazing. And the alchemy behind that gives you something even greater and more epic to strive for. It's always exciting to see when people, we have people on our team who are hugely steeped in Walmart, people who know Amazon like the back of their hand. And it's great when they're sharing that expertise because it only allows us to really elevate the marketing and the thought leadership that we do. But it also gives us an opportunity to think about things from a new perspective, because often you sort of have tunnel vision and you're focused on one area. But when someone comes and sort of opens the aperture for you, you're like, oh, there are other things that we can do. There are other ways that this can be adjusted or adapted or even better refined and enhanced to do something even more impactful. Yes. And when you're seeing all of this or within the different brands, on the B2B side, which I know is taking it kind of micro, but it, what do you see working right now? I'm sure it changes from brand to brand, but are there any one, two, three channels or directions, anything that is working best to drive that revenue? Yeah, I would say right now, as we've emerged for the most part from the pandemic, thought leadership and being able to deliver accurate data and insights to our prospects and to our clients has been the most valuable piece of marketing that we can do. And certainly people today get a ton of email, but emails that are crisp, that are filled with really good nuggets, but that are also brief because we do get so many emails. I would say one of the most exciting channels today for B2B marketing really is social because we're all spending time scrolling on our phone, we're on our LinkedIn pages, and having content that's both informative, but also eye-catching, creative, even sometimes entertaining, really delivers fantastic results. And we've done that with some of our insights around Valentine's Day, around the Super Bowl, around those moments that are not just about B2B, but we as humans are thinking about. What's the number one Valentine's Day candy? What do people eat on the Super Bowl? Those sorts of things appeal to everyone, but Mm -hmm. it allows you to make that connection between your client as a human and your potential prospective client. So they're one in the same. And I think when we think about B2B marketing, we often think about the person only in their professional hat. We forget that they're going through these same life moments and circumstances. So this gives you another touch point and another way to connect in a way that's often sometimes more meaningful, but can often be more memorable. Yeah, that's so true. We often think on the B2B side, we for sure focus on the brands we're targeting, right? And we often get lost on that brand and the high level and what the brand's needs are. But what about that individual who's your main POC and their team? How can you think of them as a human, as yourself? How can you connect with them? The term I've heard a lot this week, it's not new by any means, but edutainment, where, <laughs> yes. right? Where I wonder if I even saw it in some of your content, perhaps, because um, you definitely drop a ton of insights and stats and data. It's so valuable. But it, I love that because it's it's 
kind of another bridge, right, between providing data and stats that everyone on their, when they have their professional hat on is so hungry for to like prove a direction or prove something that they want to move forward with, but then also making it eye-catching and engaging and you connect with them. So on that human level, it, it's just that bridge with edutainment. I need to do yeah. more of that for sure. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, my hat goes off. The team does an amazing job. We have wonderful subject matter experts. The marketing team works really hard to deliver that. And once again, you have to think about the context in which you're delivering these messages. We're all confined to these screens. Many of us are yeah. working from home and we're, we're coming out of a period and we're still very much in a period where there's a lot of serious, heavy things happening. Yeah, there's wars happening, there's violence happening, there are all these things and I think everyone is sometimes looking for a little moment of levity. Yeah, something that gives the smile. And that's an opportunity for you to break through for you to truly be disruptive in the marketing tactics that you take. Obviously, you want to do it with strong intention with care, you don't want to be tone deaf. But yeah. there's still those moments that you can provide to both your clients and your prospects that can cut through some of that, that can delight them in their regular day. So I tell people, don't shy away from it. Those are opportunities for you to deliver your message in a way that can really land well and resonate. Yeah, that's so such a good point. And I didn't really realize this before, but cutting through the noise of all of this, I mean, doom and gloom in every way, right? On the news, but also our LinkedIn feed right now with all the layoffs in, in SaaS and tech. But then to show levity and really harness that in your messaging would break through all of that noise. We recently had a video go out where somebody from my team, we're a small team at Just Uno, but he has such a great charismatic on camera presence and his video went, I mean, mini viral for us because it just his presence on camera and the LinkedIn feed caught everybody's attention and it does internally too all the time. So we need to tap into that more. Diliar, if you're listening, we'll be working together more going forward. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Definitely leverage it. I think everyone enjoys a good laugh, loves to smile. It's a great point to refresh people. Yeah. On the flip side, because I definitely see levity working and social and quality content. Is there anything that you're just done with and you're over? It's not something we should focus on anymore. We should turn the car around, go elsewhere. Anything come to mind when I, when I say that? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, if there's one thing that I would say that I, I'm somewhat done with, it really is just emails. <laughs> and I'm not done with them in this respect. Yeah, yeah. I think we all get so much email and email is really the number one channel in B2B marketing. But I think how we look at email has to be reimagined. And obviously mm -hmm. there's a lot going on with AI and chat GBT. Yeah. Uh, and we're thinking about how do we craft better, stronger, more engaging emails. And I've said, we've got to think about how are we using other mediums? How are we using video? How are we doing social selling? Because Creating that connection is what's important. Delivering value to the person that you're trying to connect with is important. Engaging them is important. And I think how we're looking at those metrics and determining success and failure has to be re-examined. Yeah. Because you can deliver tons of email messages, but someone may not be in the market today for what you're offering. But how do you create a connection with them so when they are in the market for what you're offering, you're top of mind? So yeah. the channels that you use, the copy, the creative, the graphics, the imagery 
has to really be thought about. This is a long-term relationship. You're dating. They may yeah. not be ready to marry you today. Yeah. <laughs> um, but how do you keep those dates interesting? How do you keep that fire still burning there? Because it, it may not happen overnight. It could take it could take a year. And depending on yeah. you know the product solutions or offerings that you have, we're talking about a longer procurement cycle. So constantly delivering your value and showing up has to be really yeah. rethought. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, it is. It's just like dating, and you need to keep that spark alive and make sure they don't they don't quit on you. They don't hit that unsubscribe. Absolutely. <laughs> I know you talk a lot about uh, digital transformation. I'm curious if there's any innovation that you're particularly excited about right now. I think I might know what one could be, but yeah, if anything that comes to mind, I'd love to hear it. Well, I am most excited about AI. I, I must admit, coming back from CES and really yes. seeing AI be integrated into a lot of our day-to-day -day activities. Obviously, there's a lot of conversation around chat GBT and the creation of emails, of creative, of all of these things using AI. There's a lot of concerns around it, and I think they will, we will have to ultimately develop some safeguards and some yeah. guidelines. But I am incredibly excited about its ability to scale many of our efforts. Yes. And to be able to do it with speed and precision, but also be able to do it where you're able to really integrate the data and insights. One of the biggest challenges for marketing teams today is we get volumes and volumes of data. Yeah. How do you make sense of it? How do you make it actionable? How do you distill it down into the real metrics that are gonna matter and drive your business forward? And I mm -hmm. see AI as really being able to help accelerate that process Yes, I fundamentally believe humans and marketers will always be a part of this process. You will always need that human level of discernment. But yeah. what AI gives you is the ability to just do some things faster that once were very manual, tedious tasks. Now you can have those tasks really be automated. And I think that's yeah. exciting. There's a lot more that we have to do. There's obviously still glitches and some concerns about the technology. Yeah. But I think there's a lot of great things on the other side of this. Agreed. I mean, it's there's so many different thoughts on AI, right? Where there, on one side, it helps you get started on a lot of things, especially on the content front. You can't just ask for the content and publish that, but it's great to get the gears turning and give you kind of something to work off of for various copy pieces. But then I just learned on a previous episode with Karina Owens that there's a gender bias that was identified, which isn't surprising when you actually think about it, but because even humans, right, have, have these biases. But when it comes to job description writing, it'll put a different voice towards women asking for this than a, a man or excuse towards looking for men. It, it just crazy differences on this with gender bias. So yeah, definitely things. And of course, privacy data issues to be oh, absolutely. Of, okay. I mean, this is the one thing that I think as a person who is truly a lover of technology, we also have to understand technology is created by humans. Yeah. If we don't have diverse and representative groups of people creating it, we're not going to get products that deliver on that. You're going to get products that are just created by a homogeneous group of people. You will get mm -hmm. products that appeal to a homogeneous group of people. So that's where from concept to delivery, we've got to be much more thoughtful about those processes. And mm -hmm. I think there's a ton of opportunity to have more women, more 
cultures represented, more diversity overall in how these are built. Because the algorithm will only be as good as its creator. Yeah. I wonder, I don't know enough about this, but I want to go down this rabbit hole another time, but how, I wonder if these teams that are building all of these different AI tools, if they are mandated to have diverse teams working on it, that should be almost a requirement. I mean, you would hope that they would focus on that themselves of their own volition, but there should be some sort of structure that's pushing for this behind the scenes. We would hope, but I think that's where it comes down to the standards and the governance behind it. Yeah. should be automatically mandated. My guess is it's not uh, yeah. what we know today. And a lot of it, once again, it, it didn't start overnight. It's been born over time with who's in these roles around engineering, software development. Mm -hmm. And I, I think when we look at all of the STEM categories and participation of women, participation of people of color and different cultures, it's been yeah. lacking. So I think there's, a once again, a lot of work to be done. There's a lot of opportunity, but we as humans and consumers of these technologies also have to start to really mandate that, that it mm -hmm. really be representative of all of our experiences. Because when you think about what artificial intelligence is, it's really a storage or a warehouse of all of these experiences and learnings that we have. It's a massive library that now you just put on steroids and made yeah. an active thinking construct. But if you're not embedding or inputting books and ideas from different places, that's not going to be your output. So mm. it's important that that get built in from the beginning. Otherwise, yeah. whatever you put in is what you're going to get out. Yeah, that's basically the mantra of life, right? Yeah. <laughs> Sharon, I'd love to hear if you can think back, or maybe it's recently, who knows, but any challenge or a struggle that you overcame in your career that just really resonated with you and changed the path of your career or any kind of roadblock you overcame or a direct a path you came to that you just when you got to this fork in the road, it, it changed the trajectory of your career. I'd love if you can talk us through a moment like that. Oh, certainly. Well, one comes to mind in particular, and it really was, I had been laid off from my job. I worked for Microsoft. Microsoft had done a, a deal with AOL to shift the entire business over in the ad sales and sort of Microsoft advertising division. And I was yeah. laid off my role and I was incredibly devastated. I absolutely love Microsoft. I love what it stands for, what it, the values, the products, everything, the technology. Yeah. And I found myself in a really awkward place of my identity was so attached to that brand, to that company and what I did that I, I just really felt lost. And I know yeah. a lot of people right now are experiencing layoffs and transitions and may feel the same way, but it gave me an opportunity to reinvent myself. Yeah, um, I ended up going back to school and really diving deeper into product management, learning how to code, Ooh. getting my agile certification and just reinvigorating myself with new skills. But one of the things I definitely coach people on who are going through a transition, this is a great time to learn something new. You can always learn something new. Always yeah. look at this through a learner's mindset. It's never the end. It's only a new beginning. One yeah. door may close, but you can always open another. One. And mm -hmm. it gave me a renewed sense of confidence, but also it challenged me in ways that I hadn't been challenged before. Because often when you're in a role, 
you're comfortable. You know what to do. You know who to talk to. You know how things are going to work. But when you put yourself in a position where everything's new, you're learning everything from the beginning, it really turns on your brain in a new way. And you start to really, one, develop new muscles and a different sense of just gratitude and appreciation for all of the experiences you've had to that point. So now you have a different frame of reference. So I always encourage constantly learn something new because it refreshes what you already know, gives you greater perspective. But that challenge is just something that keeps you alive and vibrant. And it gives you that real spark of energy, but also creativity. Mm -hmm. Uh, So for me, that was a huge turning point because I went on uh, to take a job at T-Mobile to develop some retail products and love the product development, bringing a new product to consumers in the marketplace, working with offshore teams out of India and really being the architect behind launching a new product. I wasn't just marketing it. I was actually building it. So that is one of the accomplishments. When I look at my resume, I'm so proud to say that I've done that. I've had that experience. I understand what it takes to conceive, develop, and launch a product. Yeah. And that may not have happened had this this unfortunate situation happened at, at Microsoft. So yeah, absolutely. so interesting. Absolutely. I always, I think when we're in the moment, something may seem just, it's the end. Yeah. It's not, it, it's, it may be the end of a chapter, but yeah. a new chapter will begin. And it's really a question of how do you approach it? And how do you start to frame it for yourself? And yes, it takes time. You've got to experience all your feelings and go through it. But going through that process allows you to get to the other side. Exactly. I love that because I was just thinking I'm a big advocate of feeling all the feelings and taking the time to just be in whatever you're experiencing. And the next phase, I'm sure it's different every day. But then acknowledge your feelings. It's important. It's yeah. an important part of who you are. Don't don't just sweep it under the rug. I think we've always been told by our parents, you know, just get over it and move on. <laughs> you need to experience Don't those. cry. Don't cry. No. Yeah. <laughs> you need to experience it. You need to go through it and work through it because when you suppress those feelings, they tend to manifest themselves somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, that's why many people have that trauma that they carry with them because they weren't able to experience the feelings, work through them and resolve them. It's much better that you go through it, just get into it and you'll be able to really get through it. And that's really the process is how do you get through it? Mm -hmm. It makes me think of my son, he's three and his nanny always tells him, don't cry. She's great and she's wonderful. But whenever she says that, my shoulders perk up and I'll go to him. I'm like, it's okay to cry. Work through it. If you're feeling it, it's okay. Cry, cry. Just use your words and work through it. Tell us what you're feeling, why you're feeling that way. Because I want him to know that it's great to cry. You need to get that out. You need to feel these feelings. You shouldn't bottle it up and just be strong. Especially as a boy, I don't want him thinking that. (laughs) Cry. No, no, that's great because that's how you foster emotional intelligence. Yeah. Because if you suppress the feelings, then you're never going to really be whole in your emotions and your thought processes and your actions. You've sort of compartmentalized a key part of who you are. Uh, and I yeah. think if you look at anyone who has a high degree of EQ, it's because they've dealt with those emotions. They've been in their feelings. They've felt it. They've worked through it. They've learned to articulate 
and how to actually not just react, but how to respond. You develop those coping mechanisms. But if you don't actually feel it, there's that unfortunate point where it can just erupt and you don't know what to do. So this allows you to build that muscle and really learn how to work with it. It's it's really important. I always tell people, if you got to cry, cry, cry it out. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, scream it out, work it out, do whatever you need to do, but go through it. Yeah. Aren't there now there's, I haven't seen it in person yet, but they have those um, rooms that you can go to where you just break things. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You just smash things and get that emotion out. It's so funny. Sometimes I definitely need that. My husband would say (laughs) so that, yeah, I'm curious, Sharon, now you're so much more self-aware. What would you tell yourself looking back when you first were starting out in marketing, now that you've gone through the ups and downs and are in the amazing place you are now? And again, most importantly, so self-aware, what would you tell yourself just getting into the world of marketing? If I were to look back on my younger self, I would say, give yourself a little bit more grace. You're going to make mistakes and it's going to be okay. It's not the end of the world. There'll be another day. And to always acknowledge your accomplishments. I think for myself in particular, you always carry a certain amount of shame or fear when something isn't successful. Yeah. And you lose sight of all of the good things you've done. You lose sight of the journey that you've been on and what you've accomplished to date. And it's important that you don't. You've taken a ton of steps to get someplace. So it's not like you're starting from scratch. You're starting with loads and boundless amounts of experience and foresight and perspective. Uh, Acknowledge Mm -hmm. it. I think we're often really hard on ourselves and we have to really give ourselves more grace. We have to extend more grace to other people, but always know your worth. Always be willing to advocate for yourself and always really, really take time to care for yourself. We do so much for so many other people. We often forget about ourselves in that equation. You know, it's so like they, they, you hear it all the time when you're on an airplane, you put on your oxygen mask first before you can help anyone else. And that is so important. You must be a participant in your own rescue. Yes. And don't feel guilty about it, right? I was... Nope. The other day I took some time to take myself out for dinner because it never happens, solo time. And I was texting my good friend, Jillian, and I said, I feel guilty. Like I need to be doing something. I have this to-do list. I just felt so strange not being productive for what, an hour, two hours at, in nighttime anyway. And it, it's just, we are just so hard on ourselves and expect us to, we can't always be on. We have no. to have that downtime to balance it out. And sometimes we have to be the first thing on our to-do list. Take yeah. care of ourselves. Ooh, I love that. Be the first thing on your to-do list. Good yes. quote. And you're making me think I have this sign for anybody listening in. It says, you are enough. I bought this, one of those HGTV type things where you get all those, the word art <laughs> to hang up. But this one speaks to me. It's a good reminder every day to know that flaws and all, you are enough. You are enough always. Yeah. I love that. Well, is there any podcast or book or anything that you want to leave us with, Sharon, that you're just very into right now? Besides all the po- wonderful podcasts that we produce, Me Tale, Three Years Ahead. Yeah. I am listening to Adieu Adieu's A Cup of Black Joy and Caffeine. Um, and I'm reading, which I highly recommend to everyone, uh, when we talk about self-awareness, is Young Pablo's Lighter. 
-hmm. um, because I think we're at a point, as I've said, where there's a lot of transition, a lot of reflection in the world. And he takes us through his personal journey. But some of the insights that he has about just cultivating a spirit of worth, of reflection, of understanding everything from love to anxiety to how to cope with stress. It's just so important because I think those aren't lessons that we're actually taught. Yeah, We often learn it the hard way through experience and life. Uh, and I think to have his the value of his introspection is super helpful because I think self-awareness is so important. I think many people are on this planet just unaware of what their impact is, the words they use, their body language, yeah. all of the things that they do and how they're perceived by others. And it's such a game changer, particularly for leaders and business people to understand how all of those small little actions impact the world. They impact yeah. your colleagues, they impact your family, they impact all of your relationships. So highly recommend Young Pablo Lighter. Love that. I'm going to take all of these and link them in show notes so everybody can can take a look and, and download or listen on Audible or whatever version works for, for them. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Sharon. It's been a joy chatting with you. You have a very kind soul and it's just <laughs> it's enlightening to to connect with you here. So thank you for sharing with us today. Oh, well, thank you for having me on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. And thank you everyone for listening. Remember to like the show, rate the show, review the show, share with a friend, show us all the love. We appreciate it as we grow. Thank you everyone. Have a great day. Take care. <laughs>